started into the uh, adaptive immune system. To go back and do this quick take a look. Talked about B cells and how they have receptors, and those receptors are activated. Uh, they uh, by a uh, an epitope of an antigen, which all that means is an organism that's an antigen may have several different proteins on its surface, and each of those proteins may activate a different B cell, or more than one of them may activate it, and we refer to that as an epitope, that one specific three-dimensional shape that would activate a particular B cell. Um, and so they uh, activate them, uh, they then uh, will begin to clone themselves, uh, we looked at what the antibody is doing, and then they produce antibodies. Uh, we're going to look at a little more detail on that. That brought us up to T lymphocytes, the other half of the adaptive immune system. Uh, these uh, are uh, produced in the bone marrow, just like all the other blood cells, but they don't mature there. They migrate from there to the uh, primary lymphoid organs, which are generally the spleen, the lymph nodes, uh, and, and, uh, and so on. And some of them uh, will migrate to the thymus. Uh, or in fact, all of them migrate to the thymus first. Thymus is where they mature. T cells mature in the thymus, B cells in the bone marrow. Okay. Then from that, once they're mature, they migrate into the lymph nodes, the spleen, and so on. They have receptors on their surface too. And those are produced by the same manner the ones were on the B cells, by this random juggling of the genes. No plan here, really. It's if you make enough random combinations, hopefully you have something that matches anything that actually shows up. You might not. I mean, that's just the chance you take uh, with, with the way the immune system evolves. The, uh, most of those shapes, most of those receptors on B and T cells will never be used. They will never match anything that ever arrives. But they're there. Okay? It's kind of a wasteful way of doing it, but it's how our system works. And it's the product of millions of years of, of evolution. Okay, humans who did not produce the right combinations, didn't have the right genes to produce the right combinations of these receptors, simply couldn't detect some of the diseases and they died. Those that were successful in producing them survived, they had children, those genes are passed on, uh, and the process has slowly been uh, improved over time. Now, it's not perfect, we all get sick once in a while, sometimes dangerous or so. But it's, it's well, that's what we got. Okay? And so the T cells uh, here are, are in a couple of different types. Um, now, one thing to keep in mind, when we talked about B cells, we said the B cells could bind directly to the epitope, directly to the antigen. If I go back here, that's what the picture is showing you here. This is the B cell membrane, this is its receptor, this is an antigen right here. It can bind directly to that and be activated that way. Okay. T cells cannot do that. T cells do not have the ability to bind directly to the antigen. Uh, they can only bind to those epitopes if they're on an MHC protein, which we haven't talked much about. MHC is uh, the uh, major histocompatibility group. Uh, it's something that all of your cells produce. There are two types. One are produced only on T cells, and the others are produced by all of your cells. 
these function as surveillance platforms in a sense. It's a combination uh, that they actually produced inside the cell. And cells periodically, which is probably almost all the time, take bits of protein inside of them. They break them up with enzymes. They attach them to these MHC molecules and display them on the surface. Now, most of the time when they do that, they're displaying their own proteins, their cell proteins. Nobody cares. Nobody, they're just ignored because they're not important. But if they're infected, then they would display abnormal proteins or proteins that aren't part of us. Okay? Um, but they can't, uh, T cells cannot bind to that directly. They have to wait for a cell that can do this to bring it to them and show it to them. Okay? These are called antigen presenting cells. Okay? T cells must have that presented to them. They cannot bind to it directly. Now, basically their function is primarily to get rid of abnormal cells and cells that are infected. Cells that have pathogens inside of them. Because antibodies cannot get inside a cell. So antibodies can't do any really much. Let's say you have a virus that's inside of one of your cells and it's reproducing, it's going through its normal lytic cycle. Um, your antibodies can't help that cell. They can't get in it. They're too big to get through the membrane. Okay. So this second side, this cell-mediated portion, is just, its function is to try to eliminate those cells uh, so that you, the infection doesn't continue. All right, so there are uh, three basic kinds of T lymphocytes. There are cytotoxic T lymphocytes. These are killer cells. Once they are activated, they have a receptor on them. They will circulate through the body, and if they find any cell that is displaying on its MHC an epitope that matches their receptor, they will attach to that cell, and they will ultimately kill that cell. They'll secrete chemicals which will perforate the membranes. The cell will self-destruct, and they get rid of them. Now, when they do that, any viruses inside are not killed, but they're dumped into the fluid where all the antibodies are, and now the antibodies can get to them. Okay. So the two work together to make the immune system function. Okay. Now, cytotoxic T cells cannot be activated directly. They cannot be activated by antigen-presenting cells. They can only be activated by helper T cells. Helper T cells regulate both B cells and T cells, after an antigen-presenting cell displays to them an antigen that they have a receptor for. And then they will send chemical signals to B cells with the same receptor and say, if you haven't already seen this, get busy cloning and start making antibodies. They'll send chemical messages to T cells with the same receptor, and they will start to divide and make lots of them, and they'll go out and start out to see blood. Helper T cells are really the focus of this system. So when the helper T cell numbers decline, <coughs> then you have a problem. And that's what happens in HIV. Okay, when your number of helper T cells uh, decline to the point of uh, below a certain a number when they test you, you're considered to have AIDS because now you have acquired an immune deficiency. Didn't used to have one, but now you do. And that's caused by the HIV using helper T cells as their host cell to 
your body will continue to replace them, but eventually it cannot, it just can't keep up. Okay. Now, there are also, once you get this whole uh, adaptive immune response started, as the disease is being killed off, get rid of, there's another type of T cell that starts to bring it back down. So, okay, enough, enough, let's stop. Okay, bring, you know, stop doing that. And then you have your memory cells sitting and lurking around waiting for that thing to show up. Memory cells are going to be T cells, and they also be B memory cells. Right, so, this is an example. Stem cell in the bone marrow produces these uh, cells. Uh, and you might wonder, since I'm producing these receptors randomly, wouldn't it occasionally happen that the receptor is recognizes normal body tissue? Well, yes, that could happen. So what we do, what the cells do, or what the immune system does, is it's making all of these endless T cells here with the different binding shapes. You can see how they're all different here, and making literally hundreds of thousands of these with different receptors. In the thymus, they check them and say, do I recognize the MAC molecule on thymus cells? And if I do, then I can be regulated, and I'm good, we're going to keep you, and we're going to start we're going to survive. But if I don't recognize these, if I can't figure out what these are, then they are destroyed. Because they are maybe a danger to the body. Okay. Now, the ones that survive, then we check and say, all right, do you recognize only things that are not part of the body, in which case we will keep you? Or do you recognize things that are autoantigens, in other words, part of the body, and if that's the case, again, we get rid of most of them. A few of them hang around and appear to be the regulatory cells. Okay. So, in other words, when you're randomly making all these combinations, it's there's no reason why you wouldn't occasionally come up with one that matches your own tissue. And you need to make sure that does not survive. Because if it does, then it's going to be sources of autoimmune disease we're talking about. Okay? This is the same thing with B cells. Only B cells, this happens in the bone marrow. Uh, they have, if it has differently shaped binding sites here, uh, and it does not attach to any of these, uh, these autoantigens, then it's good to go. We send it to the blood vessel and off to the spleen. If it does match, it needs to be gotten rid of, and it self-destructs. And most of the time it does. Okay, so that protects you from having adaptive immune cells normally protects you that would attack your own tissue. It does not always work. There are a number of autoimmune disorders that are caused by just assisting in treating normal body cells as though they Uh, no, I'm not aware of anything. Uh, there may be some genetics involved. We 
because they, uh, I don't have, I didn't go into the whole detail here with this. When those receptors are made, they have multiple parts. They have a, 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 a part that's pretty much the same on all of them, and then they have a variable region. That variable region is actually made up of pro, a protein that comes from three or four different genes. And so what the body is doing is it's making these receptors that keep scrambling those genes around and, and, and attaching the proteins in different combinations. And then, every now and then, these genes suddenly will have DNA that moves and they suddenly have a new set of DNA. And, and then we go through the process again. And it's a way to ensure that all the different kinds of receptors are actually produced. So uh, it is conceivable that somebody could have a, their, in their genetic makeup a situation where they might produce more of those than somebody else. Um, I have a student in my classes back earlier today who has rheumatoid uh, uh, arthritis. Okay, she's about your guy's age. Her mom has it. Her own cells are the problem. They attack the uh, joints and the cartilage in the joints. That's what rheumatoid arthritis is. Okay, so she's on various drugs. Because the only real option you have when the immune system is causing a problem, and we will look at some autoimmune diseases, is to suppress the immune system. That's how you control that right now. But that leaves you then more open to other infections. Kind of one of those you can't really do no matter what you do. Is that helpful? Alright, so. Uh, the immune system has a variety of uh, signaling molecules. Uh, interleukins signal back and forth between leukocytes. That's where the loop, loop that's white blood cell, interleukin. Interferons are antiviral proteins that sometimes act as cytokines. We have growth factors that stimulate stem cells to divide and make more immune cells. It's another thing called tumor necrosis factor. It's secreted by macrophages and T cells to kill tumor cells. Now, obviously, they're not always 100% successful, but often they are. Okay. Uh, and then I mentioned the major histocompatibility complex. This was found very at the beginning when people tried to do grafts from one person to another, and the grafts did not work. They would die. And it, we really weren't sure why, what the process was that was going on. And it turned out that the cells you were grafting, if you take it from one person and put it on another person, have a different MHC makeup, and they're identified by the new host as foreign tissue. And you go through a T cell response and you kill it. That's what your body does. Okay? That's how the system works. Right? So it turns out that almost all our cells have these. Uh, and these are what uh, the T cells are looking for when they are deciding whether or not to eliminate the cell. If no, most often, yes. Uh, now, unless you get a graft from an identical twin, identical twins would have the same M 
CPC. So I, you know, perhaps between identical twins, rarely more than couples. If they're very close relative, sometimes they're close enough that it minimizes the problems. But you can't always count on that. Uh, and so yes, then those people are taking uh, immune suppressants for the rest of their lives. Okay, so the question is, you know, do, do I die tomorrow or do I die maybe five years from now? Most people, that's a pretty tough choice. What they're going to do. Will we ever figure out how to do it? We don't know. This is why they are uh, experimenting with growing organs in culture, taking your cells, stem cells, and getting them to form a new organ in your culture, and then we could re-implant that into you, and your body would say, "Ah, oh, these are our guys." Uh, and that's really what's behind that research. Uh, they, they're trying to make artificial kidneys that way. Um, I, you know, they've had some success, but not, not in, you know, not in, to the point of being able to transplant anything. But that's what, what they are, would like to be able to do. And supposedly, the people are saying, well, someday you'll take a, a 3D printer Ears work pretty well because there's not a lot of blood supply there, and the body really all care all that much what's going on. Okay, so antigens bind, and there's a little groove in the MAC molecules. There's two types. Class one is on all cells except red blood cells. Class two is on antigen presenting cells, B cells, macrophages, and dendritic cells. Which that's these are your antigen presenting cells. B cells can act as antigen presenting cells as well. T cells can't do that. Okay. And so every nucleated cell has this. This one's a little bit different. It's found on antigen presenting cells. And so uh, basically, when uh, this polypeptide is metabolized, uh, the little bits of it come out as epitopes. These go into the endoplasmic reticulum. They're attached to MHC molecules, and then they're put into the Golgi uh, package them in the Golgi apparatus. They move to the surface of the cell, and then they sit here on the surface and display what that epitope is, so that other uh, other things can recognize. And they're doing this not just with with foreign proteins. They're doing that with your own protein. So that your cells are constantly sending out this, what is essentially a flag, you know, and saying, hey, does anybody care about this? And if the immune system sees that it's normal body tissues, it, it ignores it. It sees that it's something that's not part of the normal body tissues, then that will activate the immune system. This is just the same thing with T dependent. This happens for the cells that uh, that the T cells need to look for. Um, this is a macrophage. It's one of the antigen presenting cells. They're basically like amoebas. Not much different. They engulf bacteria. They display. They break them down. They display their what's on the surface. They go back to the lymph nodes. Go go around to the T cells and you know, display what they have. 
the T cell responds, that starts an immune response. If the T cell doesn't match, then nothing happens. But it'll keep going around T cell to T cell. They're kind of like long range patrols. They go out in the body, look for that. They don't wait for these antigens to come to the, uh, to the lymph nodes. They go out in, out in the periphery, kill things, you know, tear them apart, come back and display them. And these are dendritic cells, they do much the same. Uh, they're relatively recently discovered. Their exact function is still not entirely clear. They're called dendritic cells because they've got all the process, hair, hairline process design. So that remind people of dendrites in the nervous system. <clears throat> so cell-mediated immune responses respond to intracellular pathogens and abnormal cells because intracellular pathogens are usually viruses. Okay, it is also somewhat effective against cancer cells, protozoans, and bacteria. It could be inside of cells. Some of there are some types of bacteria that enter your cells, and they are intracellular. They're essentially obligate parasites. Have to stay inside of cells. There's a uh, one group of uh, uh, not micro micro. They're really tiny little bacteria that have no cell walls. The only way they can survive is by getting inside of your cells, and then your cells maintain the osmotic condition that they survive. Uh, there are some other uh, bacteria that uh, there's a couple of them. They have no, uh, no, none of the bacteria have mitochondria, but they have no ability to make your own ATP. The only way they survive is getting inside your cells and hijacking the ATP your cells make. Yeah. Myco, yeah, mycoplasmids. Yeah. There's a whole group of those. Okay, so activation of the, the T cell clones. Uh, we'll walk through this process. Antigen is uh, presented. This is a uh, T helper cell here. Uh, it will differentiate after if it, if it recognizes this. It will send chemical messages to the T cells, telling them to make lots and lots of you know, clonal expansion, which will become active T cells. Their receptor here will be will match what was up here. Uh, they can also, the, uh, these cells can also be activated by dendritic cells, but usually it's the helper cell that really causes them to divide and make lots of copies. And then you have active killer T cells. Okay. And so when they find, uh, this is a cell with a virus in it, cell is displaying a bit of that virus right here. It's the one that they have a little recognition site for. There's another thing here called the CD8 site. That's why these are called CD8 cells as opposed to CD4, which are helper T cells. Um, and then they will send chemicals across, which will make little holes in the cell membrane um, and causing the infected cell to die. Usually it activates a self-destruct sequence in the cell. 
and then memory cells are produced as well. So that if that same thing shows up again, you're, you're ready to, to deal with it. Your memory response, which is called the secondary response, is much stronger and much faster than the primary response. Um, Um, and then the T regulation cells, T cells that are regulators, will then start to slow down the response. Make sure they don't respond to auto-antigens you know, auto or self-antigens. Okay, so antibody immune responses are also mounted against uh, pathogens. Uh, they're activated only against a specific pathogen, and so here's a B cell. All its little receptors, it has receptors that match this, whatever this organism is. They clone themselves, they become plasma cells, they make antibodies which match these receptors. This is led through the body by the millions for those receptors. Again, stem cell, you make all these different B cells, you can see that their receptors are all different. When an actual pathogen comes along, this one happens to have the correct one. These don't do anything, they just kind of hang around. This one, is, we get cloning response, we get plasma cells, and we will make memory cells. This is a plasma cell that's making antibodies as fast as it can make them. What you see is that it is filled with rough endoplasmic reticulum. So remember that from anatomy or from 101, rough endoplasmic reticulum has ribosomes on the surface. It's a site of, of active uh, protein synthesis. A plasma cell is making antibodies, which are proteins. And so it's modified to have all of this endoplasmic reticulum in order to produce all those antibodies. Okay, T immunity is much the same. This is your helper T cell. There's a whole bunch of them here. This APC antigen presenting cell recognizes this one. Okay, this one then clones, and it will activate B cells uh, that have the same uh, type of, of uh, receptor on them. It will also activate uh, the uh, killer cells. Now B cells. Uh, where most of your new cells are formed, they don't live very long. Uh, they only live for a few days uh, that they're busy making uh, antibodies during that time. Okay, so memory, we have memory B cells. Um, they don't secrete antibodies. They don't become plasma cells. They just hang out in the lymphoid tissue and wait for the same epitope to show up again. And then they will initiate immediately So this is the difference here. Here's your primary response. You get some IgM antibodies, the major IgG ones. It takes almost two weeks to get to its full amount. So once it has detected that the, that the organism is in you, it can take 10 days to two weeks before you get a strong response, which is why you get sick, the first exposure. Okay. Now, the, B, the memory cells, will respond within three days. 
And within three days, usually the pathogen cannot really get going very well. And they will kill it off. And you'll notice that this response is much stronger, it's higher, and it's much, much rapid, it's more rapid. This is your primary response. And this is what happens when you get a vaccination. You go through this process. Produce the memory cells so that when the actual organism shows up, you will have a secondary response to it. Now, let's see. We've got a couple minutes here. Um, so this kind of immunity you acquire throughout your life. Uh, I mean, you always have it. There are two ways, though, that this happens. It can be naturally acquired, artificially acquired, be active or passive. Actually, there are four ways. Okay, so naturally acquired. I mean, you get sick, and your immune system does its thing, gets rid of it. This is a poor little kid with it. Looks like I don't know if it's measles or chickenpox, but um, they. Um, and so now he will have immunity to that disease afterwards, because his his system has actively produced an immune response. Okay? You can also naturally acquire a, a uh, immunity passively. This is normally transferred from mother to the fetus through the placenta or through the milk. Uh, in fact, the colostrum, the very first um, milk, it's not really milk, it's a kind of a more of a clear fluid, is packed with antibodies. Because infants have very poor uh, systems, immune systems. It takes them a couple of years to really get that thing generated and going well. Now, we can also do things artificially. You know, artificial active, that's what a vaccination is. It's artificial in that we're injecting you or having you drink or spraying it up your nose or whatever we're doing, an antigen that's either killed or is weakened to the point that it really can't do much anymore. And then your immune system goes through its normal responses and actively produces immunity. But it's artificial because you didn't just naturally acquire it after. We gave it to you. And then there is artificially acquired passive immunity. And these would be uh, things like um, antitoxins uh, for uh, you know, snake bite, snake venom, antivenins, uh, uh, anti-rabies. Somebody, uh, they know that they've been bitten by something that has rabies. They'll get a vaccination as well. In fact, several vaccine shots of the vaccine, but they'll also give them immediately antibodies that have already been made against the rabies virus, and that's pretty easy to do, and that uh, and that well, helps to get rid of. We would do that with other toxins in the body, possible toxins. So um, we'll stop there, and next time we'll get into. I'll, I'll, if you have questions, I'll be happy to go back over any of this next class. And then we'll start on uh, disorders of the immune system. Yes? On Wednesday, no, I don't think so. Probably be next Monday. I mean, I guess I could. I'll have to think about that.
We don't really barely know why that is. You said that you would accept A2, but you didn't on mine. Oh, okay. I missed that. All right. So explain to me why this I screwed up. I put that right there instead of right there. That's whatever. Mm -hmm. So you said, what is the energy of the carbon? I'd put the energy source, the carbon, for all of them as a general. Where, is their, where are they getting their stuff from? They're getting it from the carbon. They're getting it if they like or not like, and they like salt. Well, okay, energy source and carbon source are two different things. Okay. And okay. The, on the chart, they categorized it as that then. So that's what... Oh, okay. I look Chemo at was for, as part of. But also, it's a carbon source. Yeah. So you have to and mention so, both. Okay. And so on that, it is an organic, and then I took it as antibiotic. Where is it at? It has respiration, blah, blah, fermentation. It's just a typical, yeah. So, but then you said it was wrong. Oh, okay. Not necessarily fermentation. I mean, there's no... Okay. Well, I put that it could get it. It can use antibiotic. Okay. Yeah. It, can, it can use any three depending on what's available at the time. Yeah, okay. I, I see what you're, what you're saying. I'll, I'll take a look at that. All right. And then... This is the one. Uh, mark that right. And then I'm assuming you marked that one because I said it didn't, but it would grow faster when it's... The, facili the facilitator yeah. would grow faster, not the aerotolerant. But, you know, they can u they'll use it if they want to use it. No, aerotolerant do not. Aerotolerant do not use oxygen. No, it'll kill them. I got those two. No, down. it doesn't kill them. That's the, the difference between them and the obligate okay. anaerobes. It would kill an obligate anaerobe, but an aerotolerant one is tolerates it, but it does not use it. Okay. Okay, I see that. So I need to look at the same question here. Okay, I'll be happy to do that. Because the two points on that will put me to a B, which would make me happier. Oh. I felt really good leaving, and then when I saw my test, I was like, what the frick? Okay, so, well, I'll look at both of these. Okay. Maybe I just got it backwards, and I wasn't looking at it the right okay. way to no, that's it. Not, no, you should, yeah. ask. you should always ask. Yeah. I will keep this, and I'll go over it for you next uh, time. How much is our stuff worth for lab lab? The paper that we turned the paper, the one last time, it's basically your lab grade for last week. Okay, so you'll just put it in. I think. Let me think, man. No, it's not a full lab grade because you also. Because there's one that. on there that says 11 points. It says presentation 11 That's points. That's the presentation you do at the end of the semester. Okay. That's 11.1. Okay. Uh, this would be the same, the 4.1 for that, that night's lab. Okay, so that'll just be the 100 yeah. points or whatever. So you just grade it and yeah. put it mm -hmm. on there. Um, for my presentation, I stuck doing hepatitis B because that's what Terry wanted to do. Okay. How do I need to, presentation-wise, you said it was too broad. How do I need to, like...